Hey everyone, welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Bill. And I'm Steve. Movies talk, so let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. How are you doing this week, Steve? I'm doing A-OK, finished the script for a Meowie Christmas. Yeah, that's right, we did. Starting up auditions. Uh, I got a couple voices so far. One for Whiskers, which is adorable. Good. And um, one guy did two different voices for Chuck. Uh, one is very Rizzo the Rat inspired. And the other one is sounds like Mario from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. <laughs> so Captain Lou? Yes. Uh, both are, I think that would be a good one. Mm, I don't think it fits Chuck. The Rizzo mm. voice is more on spot. It's a great voice, but it, it's uh, it's too overbearing for an adorable little rat, I think. That's all. Mm. That's fair. Uh, but that's it, you know, trying to get some more people, you know, hopefully start filming soon. God, Detective Wally Griswold's costume. You may have seen it on my Facebook page. Check it out. I, uh, I look good. I look damn good. <laughs> look good. Look damn good. No, no, Steve, you gotta, yeah, bring up your sunglasses. I make this look good. <laughs> You're right, I'm sorry. Yeah. I messed up. That's how, that's how you say it. <laughs> if Will Smith taught us anything. So that's how you say that. Welcome to Earth. Yeah, that too. That's actually not in the movie at all. Yeah, it is. Welcome to Earth is... He actually says Earth. Well, Steve, it it sounds like Earth. He has the fucking cigar in his mouth. No, he doesn't have the cigar in his mouth when he says Earth. He has the cigar in his mouth when he says that was... That's why I call it Close Encounter. People people misremember that he has a cigarette. That's fine. Animal Lecter never says hello, Clarice. Okay, but everyone (laughs) says it. Everyone still has a good time. You know, I still like saying Walter Earth. It's still funny. We all we all laugh. Have a good time. I never have a good time. <laughs> That's my secret. <laughs> <laughs> That's my secret, Bill. I never have a good time. <laughs> I'm always sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Off to a great uh, start today. I rewatched last night. I still enjoy the movie. Although other for uh, the last night. Oh, the oh, he watched the last night. Yes. Okay. Still enjoyed, but four is definitely the best. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I don't, I never want to watch the last night ever again. Perfect. When we hang out next, we'll watch the last night again. Then we'll watch it again with the commentary. Is it, wait no? Is there actually a commentary for it? I honestly don't know. I, was... I, I, I'm pretty sure Bay only did the commentary for the first movie. I'm not sure if he did commentary for any other ones. Let's we'll do some homework on that. Well, we'll find out. We'll do all the movies in one day. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrible. Except we can just watch Age of Extinction, like, for three times. Okay. Go on, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> Age of Extinction three times. That'll be a 17-hour marathon. Well, 17, Steve. I think that's probably closer to, like, 75. <laughs> <laughs> we will be extinct by the time it's done. It will be. Death becomes us. Death becomes us. Yep. Haru. How are you doing, Bill? Uh, doing a okay. Uh, not much going on in the world of Bill. Uh, you know, it, my birthday is next week, so I'm gonna pop on over to St. Louis to go to Six Flags this week and Glory Pro. You know, all that stuff's come. I've been talking about that last couple weeks. Looking forward to all that stuff. Should be a good time. Come check out. You know, this episode had already gone up, but if you're time traveling, go check out the Glory Pro Show in Alton, Illinois on October 15th. And just mm-hmm. check out General Follow on Twitter stuff. You know, they have other shows coming up. You know, I'm sure some, there'll be some, I, there might be another show this year before, you know, wrap out 2017. 
maybe. Who knows? I sure don't. I'm not the booker. <laughs> maybe you should be the booker. Uh, it, Blade Runner 2049 came out, Steve, last week. Uh, I cried. It was great. And I can't believe the Decker's a replicant. Uh, he's, yeah, no, he's not. I Spo- mean... Spoilers. Denis Villeneuve, uh, it was, uh, this isn't necessarily a spoiler, it keeps it, it keeps it vague. Yeah. So depending on which, uh, version of Blade Runner you've seen, everything can still work out okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're out Keen, which I appreciated. That's cool. So there's, there's that, uh, so, you know, I'll just leave it at that. Check the movie out, uh, because currently it's following the same pattern as the first Blade Runner, and that it is not much of a financial success at the box office. That's too bad. Yeah, everyone loves it, so I don't know if it'll be do better this weekend with better word of mouth or something. Who knows? Shrug. I don't know. Maybe people just... There wasn't the marketing there for a 20-year-old sequel to a film that wasn't that huge of a hit back in the day. Well, it's one of those cases, well, you know. I mean, time- I like I, Blade Runner is one of those films that I fully admit is like a cult hit that a lot of people consider a masterpiece. But I don't know how many full blown fans the film has in terms of financially speaking. Well, that's that's where it's interesting that it's, it's this film's great because the studio didn't clearly didn't try to make a film to appease the masses. Mm-hmm. They just let Denis Villeneuve and everyone else just make the film, make their film, make a good you know fucking sequel to blade runner and also all this other stuff and not just make a garbage popcorn superhero movie mm-hmm. which while yeah it's maybe not i don't know maybe it won't work out but you know the month's still young the movie only cost 150 million mm-hmm. it's not like it was some 250 200 250 million dollar but i think it'll have a slow enough burn i think it'll make its money back I think, I, think I think it'll at least do that yeah i think it'll be fine and at the end of the day you know there's plenty of film this is what's interesting to me Every year, there's plenty of films that come out that are like that, that are, like, you know, I wouldn't say, like, award-tier-type films, but, you know, that type of stuff, where it's not necessarily about making tons of money at the box office, it's about making just a good film that will either bring prestige to the studio or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, you know, that happens all the time, I, it's never, but no one ever talks about that, or it's but just like, oh, this film, this film's not doing well, well, it's bombing just like the original. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, I mean, at least Sony's releasing a good film. Their other f- big film this year was uh, Dark Tower. Uh, I think their big film is their Christmas film, Bill. Which, which film's that? Oh, the terrible one coming up where it's about Jesus, except it's about talking animals. Oh, yeah! <laughs> I totally for- Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. There's Christ. already toys for that at Walmart, and the the stuffed toys for that movie look just as terrible as the movie. Because, like, it's the cheapest way that they could have done it. Like, they didn't mold faces or put on any eyes. They literally just printed the characters' faces onto fabric and then sewed it together haphazardly. So it looks like a claw machine toy? Yes. I'm sure it's like 10, 15 bucks each. Yes. Good. I wonder who made those. <sighs> That's fascinating. I totally forgot about that fucking movie. Wow. I'm glad I could bring it back to you. I don't even remember the name of it. I just remember, yeah. The Star. The Star. Yes. Yes. The, uh, you know, wow. Wow, Steve. <laughs> I didn't need to be reminded of that. Well, we're going to go see that opening night. Oh, no. That sounds awful. Yeah. Well, we can go see, uh, in uh, Rosemont, Illinois, they're, they're getting the Power Rangers live show. And in uh, March 31st, you can come visit and go see that. Okay. I didn't know. Uh, if only I was in that show. I don't know who runs, like, the live appearance Power Ranger stuff. I wish I knew. 
so that I can put in an application. Do they actually do live appearance stuff for Power Rangers? Uh, not as much as Marvel, obviously. But yeah, they do some live appearance stuff. They uh, dress actors up as the original team and whatever the current team is. Okay, that's fascinating. I, I was just very surprised they're doing like a live, uh, you know, uh, traveling stunt show type thing, like Disney on Ice and all that type of crap. Well, they're actually doing something with the anniversary year this year since they did nothing in the 20th at all. Good. <laughs> well, they're doing slightly barren uh, Cartoon Network. This year is Cartoon Network's 25th year, 25th anniversary, and they're, they're doing really nothing. Great. Good job, classic, guys. Classic Cartoon Network. GG. GG. <sighs> Where were we? Uh, so yeah, that was me. That's about it. Uh, did you watch uh, Hell in a Cell this past weekend, Steve? Yes. What did you think of the show? Uh, it was really boring. It was real boring. Uh, the opener match, the was great. team championship at match in the cell with the Usos and New Day. That was pretty fun. Yeah, that I liked a lot. Then the show meandered. Uh, then, <laughs> Jesus Christ, then there's Shinsuke versus Gender, which I thought, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. And I thought, okay, great, time for the main event, we're done. And then I'm like, oh yeah, there's Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. Yeah, that was a weird placement for that match. Well, it, there had to be a piss break match, and that was going to be it. Clearly. The ending of that match I liked. I didn't. I didn't oh. like any of it. I hate, I've hated everything involving Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode okay. for the past month. I'm sorry. It's just been... It's bad, Steve. It's not as bad as Bray Wyatt and Finn. Yeah, come on. Let's be... Let's keep in mind what the alternative is can be and is going to be. The alternative is uh, a man wearing a shawl with... You know, black like raccoon eye makeup and a woman voice modulator talking about I could turn I could turn demons into a dandelion, a <laughs> <little> daffodil, <laughs> and I'm just watching. It's like wow, you're like is... all other men, but Bray's different. I, I've said this, this on weird. Facebook to somebody like I, I went from this is baffling, and I'm like, no, this isn't baffling. This is fucking embarrassing. Yeah, I didn't think anything would top. Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt from earlier this year. See, that was at least so over the top, I loved it because it was hilarious. You know, it just went too far when it got to that Mania match. Like, the fucking, like, projections and everything else is like, it's like, it just went, it was too long, too. It went too long. It did go too long, yeah. Too many steps too far. And then now we're in Bray Finn territory, which is going on its fourth month. Mm-hmm. After, yeah, four after months. Finn's beaten him three times already. Yes. He he beats him every single time, oh, and they Jesus. keep it going. Like if they were just doing a one month thing, sure, two months, eh, pushing it. The fact that they're on four is ridiculous. And it just keeps getting worse. Like last month was the man versus man yeah. match, and, and you know Finn still won. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a what a shit show! Uh, but main event of Hell in the Cell was the almost forty minute long. Uh, Shane McMahon kills himself in front of his children match. Yes, which was uh, which was something. It was, it was it was better than the Undertaker match from Mania last year, mm-hmm. twenty sixteen. That match was fucking awful. I am shocked that no one went through the cage into the ring, especially because Kevin Owens weighs almost three hundred fucking pounds. Well, that that is the the, the the cage they're using now is much better and much more you know quality and reinforced as opposed to the one. When Mick Foley accidentally, accidentally yeah. went through this one in '97, uh, which was everyone, I think everyone remembers, but that was not supposed to happen. That nope. was very bad. Mick into the table was planned. He just missed his mark, but that was planned. Going through the cage was not, and that is why the Undertaker stood there 
frozen, going, oh my god, did I just kill Mick Foley? And that's why everyone thought he was dead. Like, that's why the cage started going up, because they thought they had to fucking stop the like, White Undertaker <laughs> on it. Uh, that's why like, everyone's rushing out to try to, oh my god, that, that match. You know what's still insane about that? Is that that wasn't even the main event of that show. And that Mick Foley later came out to help, the, like, with the uh, Steve Austin Kane first blood match that was yeah. on after it. Yeah, it's I like, remember... It's like, you should be dead. You're a dead man. What are you doing? Yes, I remember that vividly. Mm. Because, man, that... The Stone Cold Kane match was nothing compared to Undertaker Mankind. Because uh, they were stupid. and didn't make stupid decisions. They were, they were stupid. My favorite part of that match, out of everything, the one thing I remember the most and I laughed the most about, is when Undertaker grabbed Terry Funk and chokeslammed him and, he, and Terry Funk's shoes flew off. Yes. That was my favorite part. Well, rewatch that match, because... That had a lot. It, also, rewatch it because I think a lot of people forget how much more of a match there is after he fell off the cage uh, through. After, I'm sorry, the cell yeah. through the table, and had to wrestle with like his teeth through his nose and his broken ribs and everything else fucked up. Yeah, I, I showed my wife that match so she could see uh, where her fucking chair that she uses came from, mm-hmm. and she was just blown away. Like Jesus Christ, th- this is still going, huh? Like, yep, doesn't stop. Well, Shane McMahon, uh, yet again this year, decided to jump off the cell onto, a, cha- onto a table. Uh, well, Shane McMahon jumps off tall things. That was my wife's thing, like, initially, because they both went to the top of the cage, and she was just like, oh, are you just gonna fucking jump off a fucking top of the fucking cage again onto someone on a fucking table? But then that didn't happen, they wrestled on top of the cage, and our reaction was basically just a case of like, oh, well, at least it's different compared mm-hmm. to what they have been doing. And then it just became that again. Yeah, it was better than uh, Undertaker Shane, thankfully. I think they learned a lot from that. Yes. And making it false count anywhere and all that other stuff. Yes. So there's our review of that show. Uh, there was the King of Pro Wrestling show for New Japan. Quick review of that since so Steve doesn't watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, the most Sorry, notable match was uh, Kushida versus Will Ospreay. Uh, that match was fucking incredible. Highly recommend it. Excellent, excellent match. Uh, Ishii versus Naito was okay. But it didn't have much uh, drama to it because there's no way in the world Naito wasn't going to win that match because he's cl- going to be main eventing the Tokyo Dome against uh, the champion Okada. Mm-hmm. Likewise, Okada had a match against Evil, which was fine. But again, there's no real drama to it because we knew that Okada wasn't going to lose. Because uh, the main event of the Tokyo Dome show on January 4th will be Naito versus Okada. And that is just going to be uh, bananas. Bananas insane. Bananas so. insane. Check that out. Uh, let's move on to some movie news, Steve. Uh, all sorts of things happening in the world of movie news. I didn't know if you knew this, but Harvey Weinstein is a sleazeball. Uh, yeah. On the list of things I'm not shocked to hear. On the list of things that I thought everyone already knew. Uh, Harvey Weinstein is a piece of scumbag. Yeah. So last week, we didn't really quite report it because it was still fresh and nothing had really fully solidified yet. Uh, but over the last week a lot of things happened uh more sexual assault allegations came to light and he was also fired from the uh weinstein company yeah that that was surprising to me yeah like, they were just like okay well he's fired by forever uh, of course we'll preface it that these are all allegations uh but with many things when there's smoke there's fire and there's a lot of a lot a lot of people stepping forward currently yeah there are which it, is... this is not a thing where one person made an allegation Mm-hmm. You know, where I think it is extremely important to keep an open mind and not immediately jump to persecution. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, this is everyone in the world. Yeah. Mean, Harvey, Wein- first- Hi- Harvey Weinstein sexually assaulted me, Bill. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Uh, but so when it, when it started happening, I was kind of not... I was just kind of in that state of, well, yeah. Yeah, that was my exact reaction to well, it. Is anybody shocked about Mr. Scissorhands? Harvey Weinstein is... You know, but on top of just his sleazy business practices, but also you know everything else. Like, are you? I'm not shocked at all. I yeah. mean, I mean, it really. It, I. It's one of those cases where it, this is awful, but it, at the same time, it's bringing a lot of light to this type of shit that's still happening in Hollywood and the other entertainment entertainment industries. Yeah, I hope people actually keep caring, and that this isn't just another one of those fucking flavor of the week things. And well, I mean, and we won't get another another scene of Corey Haim literally saying, "Where were you when I was raped?" And then dying, and then Corey Feldman talking more about being raped, and everyone ignoring him. Well, uh, men can't be raped, Steve. <sighs> yeah, I know. I've heard that a e- few times. Even Terry Crews has come out saying that he was also uh, sexually assaulted in yes. his career. And it's like, and I, I, you know, again, it's one of the cases where that's awful. But I hope him coming forward can help alleviate prejudice that that prejudice as well. But I'm, I'm sure it won't. No, but it, it won't. It, if anything, it, it does help people because it's everyone's saying like equating this is like you you know a 265 three six foot three man is also assault sexually assaulted what makes you think a like a five foot three woman can't also be it's like you know it's equating it's like if he's getting assaulted that means women are definitely being assaulted and hello everybody shocking shocker uh news alert the yeah. entertainment industry is terrible <laughs> to a lot of people yes the casting couch, all that stuff still happens. I mean, Rose McGowan's been talking about this for a pretty long time now. And a lot of actresses, which now it's a case of, okay, well, with all this stuff's coming out, are like, what about all the women that were blacklisted? Like, what's going to happen with their careers? And I, sadly, probably nothing. Yeah. But they'll be continued just to be nothing happened to them. Yeah, which is fucking terrible, but that's what's going to happen. Yeah. It it's fucking sucks, but that's the world we live in, and it, you know, it's it, the problem is like the most like we're talking about this because we care a bit more, and a lot of other people do, but that's not that's that's maybe like one percent, two percent of the movie going public. Yeah, everyone else is either not going to hear about the story, or going to hear it and not care, or forget about it in six months. Everyone's going to go to these films. I mean, like, what can you do? It's like at the end of the day, yeah, like some people are scumbags, but like when it comes to films, like I, the actor, the actors didn't do anything. You don't know that, like you don't know, you don't know which producers did something, ever they did anything. Yeah, that's the hard thing. That always bothers me the most when it comes to like boycotting some films. It's like, well, what about the act? I'm sure that lead actor is getting percentage off the back end or something. Like, what did they do? They didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, and you're you're punishing them. You know, I don't know. It's rough sometimes. It, it is rough. Uh, support Meowie Christmas on Indiegogo. Yes. Uh, your your money will go to somebody that is not sexually assaulting anybody. I have never sexually assaulted anyone. Same. So, there you go, guys. Well, there's a pro- that's there's a why product. a failure of a filmmaker, I guess. That's a, yeah, there's a product you can, you can believe in, but no one will give any money, because unless your film, the unless you know that the director sodomized a 12-year-old boy in Thailand, you know, mm-hmm. ain't gonna make a billion dollars. Meowie Christmas is a failure, Steve, because it didn't make a billion dollars. It's a total failure. Harkening back to last week. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, last bit of news that's interesting, but also kind of a no-brainer. Similar to Harvey Weinstein's Steve debaucherous uh, activities, uh, Disney plans to produce original content for their streaming service. So, I mean, it's cool that Disney's really doubling down on their streaming service, which I keep seeing people on podcasts say that this is silly they don't think this is going to be a roaring success 
It's like, you dummies. Yeah, they're fucking idiots. Anyone that I... doesn't think this is going to be a roaring success is a fucking idiot. Yeah, I keep reading it all the time. People are like, oh, you, there's so much on Netflix. What makes you think people are going to go to Disney? It's like, it's fucking Disney. <laughs> yeah, how, how is Disneyland going to succeed with all these other amusement park options? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you go to Disneyland when you go to Magic Mountain or Universal Studios? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Disney is the one with like $1,000 annual passes that people just buy all up. And that's why when Star Wars Land opens in like next year or two years, it's going to be like that. Disney has to be fucking packed. Sorry, asterisk. Star Wars Land be fucking packed. The rest of the park be empty. That's the best time to go to Disneyland if you don't care about Star Wars. Absolutely. I can't wait for Star Wars Land to open up so that I can go to everywhere not Star Wars Land. That means you can actually have a chance of riding the Peter Pan ride in a timely manner. Oh, uh, don't get fucking ridiculous, Bill. That's never going to happen. I rode that ride the first year we went because we were like, well, I actually want to ride it once. You, have uh, to, that... you should ride it once, absolutely, because it's a yes. cool ride, but it is not a 45-minute to an hour-and-a-half long wait yeah every time we walked by it going through fantasy land it was like a two-hour wait i'm like and i was like i was like blown away but then i finally wrote it i'm like wow uh (laughs) uh, why why do people wait for this i mean you can just go on mr toad or you can go on snow white i mean there are such better rides i mean i love mr toad and i'm glad for me that mr toad only ever has like a 10 to 20 minute wait because i fucking love mr toad's wild ride Uh but everyone else is a fucking idiot because they're missing out on the way better ride yeah, I was not at all impressed with Peter Pan. <laughs> Going over this, like the London town, like the London miniature set. There's some cool stuff in there, but man, the, yeah, the way that ride makes zero sense to me. Why it's always so long? Super great. Because it goes by pretty quick. It's not like a, a slow ride. I mean, it's kind of you know, it's man, wowzers. Mm-hmm. See, the fact that we can diverge into a Disneyland ride discussion disproves just how monumental the Disney streaming service is going to be. Yes. Huge. Yeah. And then uh, Netflix also announced they're, they're raising their prices. Uh, well, probably because they're so, $20 billion in debt. I was going to say, I know a lot of people talk about that. It's like they're raising prices on some of their HD streaming services and some other stuff, a dollar or two. And it's like, and some people say, well, yeah, they got to keep producing content. No! I'm <laughs> sure it has something to do with the fact that they're $20 billion in debt. I don't understand why anybody keeps like giving them uh, capital investment money. Yeah, seriously. I make... fucking wouldn't. I mean, I know some companies do because if that's a loss, they can write that off. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense in that regard. Similar to why like people keep investing in Twitter, even though Twitter keeps like burning money just as badly. Yeah, I also don't Actually, know why I... anyone's investing in Twitter. Actually, I think I think Twitter's worse off. And some Reddit Reddit's another case of a company that cannot turn a profit. It's fascinating. It's fascinating all these like major social media tools that people are so accustomed to now and how they are just money losers. Yeah. Except for Facebook. Except for Facebook. So. Oh, I um I forgot to mention during my week, I got a packet of Szechuan sauce. Did you really? Yes. Because at the uh where I was in uh downtown Pittsburgh and the McDonald's right like across the street from me, got it in, and I just so happened to walk by when they were opening the doors. So I walked there wasn't in. Like, there wasn't, like, a three-hour-long line there? No. Oh. There was not. People so, people started flowing in, I guess, but, yeah, I was able to get a pack. Did you sell it on eBay for $500? I sold it for $100. Well, you're a smart man. I'm really glad you did that. <laughs> Especially because, like, a day later after that, 
fucking nightmare of a day uh, that McDonald's announced that they're going to bring it back in December. Yes. Like, it's like a wide release, like, major release thing. So I hope all of the Rick and Morty fans who are being complete asshole and piece of shits to the people that worked at McDonald's stores, I mean, restaurants, sorry, who have nothing to do with the supply they get. I saw, you know, some of these things like, this, this happens all the time with other fan bases, like when the Alien shoes or the Back to the Future shoes, like all that stuff comes out where it's super limited. Every fan base is a piece of shit, yeah. But Yeah, but it's not at an actual retail location where people are acting like ass clowns. Mm-hmm. This is a case where you're at a McDonald's restaurant, someone's in front of you getting paid eight seventy five an hour, <laughs> and you're standing on the counter going, Ree, I want my shit to watch out, Ree, I'm Pickle Rick! It's... That person is having a hard enough life, and I don't, they don't need you doing this right now. Yeah. And which, in the last week, has led to this huge wave of people just, like, shitting on Rick and Morty and the fan base and everything else. Which, when a lot of people gather and make asses of themselves in public, it kind of leads, tend to, you know, lends itself to that type of thing happening. Mm-hmm. Which is always fascinating. And, of course, the whole thing of, like, which is worse, bronies or Rick and Morty fans? It's... Uh... Who cares? That I definitely agree with our one buddy Dan. Just like, yeah, it's always popular to shit on whatever fan base is popular to shit on at the time. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I I'll get more just confused because I think I from, I haven't seen a ton of Rick and Morty. But I watched I watched the Pickle Rick episode, so I, I had some understanding of why this was a fucking meme and going everywhere. And I watched I've seen some episodes before that. It's an okay show. Yeah, I've All seen right. a few episodes. It makes me laugh. I like Dan Harmon as a writer. But I do legitimately do me. I have met people who do act like the meme of like Rick and Morty fans who just do the whole like, well, you're not smart. You have to be really intelligent to get the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have to be really smart to get Pickle Rick, let me tell you. Let me tell you, bud. Buccarinos. Uh, but that's neither here or there. But what is here this week, Steve, is our Zombie Ween theme month. You feeling, you feeling the Zombie Weenie going on, Steve? You feeling it? Yeah. I'm feeling it. Oh, yeah, he's just pumped up like the undead. Like this week's film, Dead Alive, 1992, a.k.a. Brain Dead. Damn it. Directed by Peter Jackson. A young man's mother is bitten by a Sumatran rat monkey. She gets sick and dies, at which time she comes back to life, killing and eating dogs, nurses, friends, and neighbors. You were too fast on the draw. I was going to um, react really panicked that I watched the wrong movie. Um, since in the last episode we announced Return of the Living Dead, and we both almost made that mistake this week. Except, say that, fuck, uh, I didn't watch Dead Alive, I watched Brain Dead. Yeah, Steve, that's what we in the business like to call a swerve. Yeah, it was gonna be a swerve, but instead, it didn't exist at all! Because of Bill Murphy, guys. So everyone at home email Bill about how he ruined the swerve. It's okay, guys. I'm I'm the co-writer on a film about a cat that watches conspiracy videos and thinks aliens are stealing Santa Claus. Lizard aliens. Interdimensional psychic vampires. <laughs> Did he just say interdimensional psychic vampires? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, what sordid lives we lead. Uh, yes, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, apologies for last week's episode. Yeah, we did, we did, uh. Say Return of the Living Dead, because I legitimately thought Return of the Living Dead was this week and Dead Alive was next week. But nope. We could have just yeah. have done that. Uh, Steve. It's uh, not like I, anyone sees the schedule except for us. Well, Steve, I wrote that schedule months ago, and uh, we're gonna, you know, you're the one that's wanted to be all inside baseball and talk about heel turns. And... <laughs> oh, I'm doing a heel turn, Bill. Ugh. 
Nobody likes you. You can't get over. You failed a drug test. Well, it's because I want to look fucking sick. (laughs) That's so sick. With my huge muscles. I want my heart to explode when I'm 45. So I can die beautiful. Beautiful. We'll just keep that that theme up the entire month. (laughs) Uh, Steve, uh, what did you think of Dead Alive? I love Dead Alive. This is... uh, I wish Peter Jackson made these movies again. Yeah, I, I miss I miss uh, bad taste. Meet the Feebles, Frighteners. Oh yeah, miss, Frighteners too. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that several years back. I, I miss I miss this Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. This Peter Jackson is choice, and that's not to say fantasy Peter Jackson can't also be a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just bummed that that's all Peter Jackson does is those six movies and then six more movies and King Kong, a way less awesome version of King Kong compared to another King Kong that just came out. Well, that's apples and oranges. I mean, they're both King Kong, Bill. It's it's like it's like Gala apples and Honeycrisp apples. Uh, you know, it's more like cereal. Like King Kong is like Raisin Bran, <laughs> and Skull Island is Lucky Charms. Yeah, no, uh, no fuck contest. I like both a lot. I mean, I like buying Raisin Bran and then taking all the raisins out and just eating those and throwing away all the bran. Oh, you're 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 a shitbag. <laughs> this podcast is over. I can't possibly co-host something with a monster like you're that. You're blowing our raisin brand you know, contract. We had to deal with raisin brand, and you're blowing it. Hey, we can't raisin brand, this on Mellow Yellow resources. <laughs> Mellow Yellow isn't as big as Mountain Dew, Steve. Uh, but Mellow Yellow is way better than Mountain Dew, Bill. Well, quality doesn't always equal money. God damn it. <laughs> Look at Blade Runner 2049. I know. I wish they made a better movie. <laughs> it only has uh, an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a failure. Uh, anyway, yeah, really Dead fun. Alive is a fucking great time. It's fun the entire time. It has amazing gore effects. It's a solid story. It's actually interesting. I like the characters. It's got a great fucking zombie death massacre scene with a goddamn lawnmower the creature effects are great the suits are great everything's great and it's and it's got creative creature effects too you know like the zombie that loses his torso so he just picks up his legs and walks with them like they're stilts which i fucking love that's my favorite visual gag in the entire movie yeah it's a good one um trying to unpack a lot of that you're just going all out you're like you're like everything in my, my review in 30 seconds i'm steve the end. The end. <laughs> okay, guys, you can find us. Uh, <laughs> no, just there, there's, uh, there's. This movie is so dense. It is really dense. That's a good way to describe this film. Yeah, but at no just, point does it feel overwhelming. I think. No, it doesn't. It's just constantly going, constantly moving. Uh, it's got jokes all over the place and the gore. Oh, I kick uh, ass for the Lord. That is one of my favorite movie lines. <laughs> I kick ass for the Lord. And then he's just doing sweet ass karate on these dudes. Sweet ass karate. It's so funny. New Zealand priests are way more badass than our priests. You know, as far as how ridiculous this film is, that probably that sequence is probably the most out of place in this movie. <laughs> Which really means something in this movie. Because like 30 seconds earlier, some goon is pissing on lionel's mother's grave and then the hand busts out grabs his dick brings him in chooses him he then becomes a zombie and then it's just the, the priest uh, you know coming out and then doing kung fu 
mm-hmm. on two undead dudes and beating them with their own arms, kicking their legs out, ripping their arms. It's, it's just absurd, <laughs> you know. And then you know the finale of this film is a lawnmower cutting up all these zombies, but still a priest saying, "I kick ass for the Lord." Is <laughs> <laughs> just is just so out, out of left field for this. It is excellent. It is excellent. Don't get me wrong. Like. Dead Alive is also another film in that category of good, like, uh, better trauma. Oh, God, yes. Like, this this, this is a film that easily could have been made by trauma and would not be anywhere close to being as good. No. Not even close. This is what trauma wishes it was. Yeah, even in 92, I mean, trauma was still pretty good that time period. Mm-hmm. But even then, trauma, trauma never could get close to any of this. No. Not this even is, a little. Yeah. You know, Trauma at their best is not as good as this. No, they're not. Uh, oh, yeah. Have you ever seen the Japanese cover for this movie? No. It's it's fascinating. I'm I'll post it, it up later. right now. It's, uh, it's like a, it's a painted cover of like a Japanese nurse holding like the, the undead baby, but like she's like tied to a chair. It looks, it's really weirdly sexual for <laughs> this movie. Ooh, that's a sexy nurse with a baby. I know, right? <laughs> and I'd forgotten all about it. With, uh, I assume, a bullet going through her throat? I don't know, Steve. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, I like the beginning of the film. It definitely does not harken back to, obviously, uh, Jackson loving King Kong, where it's, you know, the beginning of the film is taking place on Skull Island. Oh, yeah. In the uh, news, I'm a New Zealand zoo official. <laughs> Guy pulling a gun out on these fucking natives. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that sort of, um... Not not callback. Because... Reference. Yeah, reference. Um, Because I feel like not enough directors do that sort of shit anymore. They just have, like, really, like, like, uh, coy nods to things they like. Yeah, as opposed to just straight up, yep, we're on Skull Island. Yeah. I'm surprised that they weren't just like, yeah, we gotta watch out for a giant, giant monkey. Well, so, there is King Kong. They're taking a very dangerous monkey off an island, and the natives are trying to stop them. It's true. And then the monkey uh, does something bad and causes panic and chaos to happen. Waka waka. And then he gets on an ice rink. He slides around. Hell yeah, he does. I take your, for your tone, you don't like uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong, Steve. No, it was really boring. God, fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. That movie's amazing. I saw it three times. Theaters, I cried. Wow. Okay. That's, That's one of my favorite memories of telling openly telling someone in a theater to shut the fuck up. <laughs> now that I, I support. There, I was there opening night. There's one behind me. Every time something happened, I'm like, oh no, oh, oh wow, like like when uh, she's like fight like the he's fighting the dinosaurs and dinosaurs come out to the woman and everything. It's like it's like oh wow, oh how they get out of this one? I turned around and said, will you please shut the fuck up? <laughs> She'd been doing it the entire time. I was like, I was, I was there with two friends, and they were, they started laughing because like I, I really wanted to see this fucking movie, and she was <laughs> ruining this. My cool went out the window. <laughs> uh, she was quiet the rest of the film, thankfully. I wish I could have experienced that. Yeah, I don't often lose my cool at the movies because I have, a, I have a lot of patience for some stuff, but there's sometimes where it's just like, okay, I'm done, so let's time to do this. Mm-hmm. So, it's a little. Aside from that, uh, when the woman's face gets split open and there's a baby inside of it, that effect is insane. Uh-huh. I mean, that effect is iconic. That's referenced and used to this day. Well, it's because the cut from her standing there to the face splitting 
is seamless. Yes, it is. It is. It's. 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 Inspir- it's inspiring on how good it is. Yes, it's super fucking good. It just. Uh, I can't get over this. But it's really funny. Like we've been talking about when it comes to like gore effects. Like you know, we go from Day of the Dead, which is aiming to be super realistic in its depiction of gore, mm-hmm. and then we are going right on its head <laughs> with Dead Alive. Where it is a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon, and how ludicrous the gore is in this. Which is fantastic. Uh, yes. <laughs> it is just the best. Like, I laugh so hard at some of the stuff in this. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, when the one, like, uh, James Dean zombie is gonna go to eat, and he, like, shoves the spoon, and it blasts out the back of his head. <laughs> or, what's some other noteworthy ones? I, I like the it. zombie so, on the light bulb. That, I was, that was the one I was just gonna go to. That visual is so good. Of when they like blast on there, and the face is lighting up, and she's just back there in the background of all the scenes when they're in the kitchen from there on out. Like the, the body's still moving, and all this other stuff. Like there's like oh, such great attention to film, you know, detail in, as far as filmmaking and everything else. Yeah, the little zombie baby, <laughs> that goddamn zombie baby. I love the one shot of of clearly just a person wearing a baby suit, mm-hmm. but it works. So Those are integrated really well too. They are, and they're quick. They're so quick mm-hmm. that you don't get much time to, like, digest it. Yeah. It's just long enough to do what they need to do. And that, that's uh, it. This film is really gross. Yeah, so gross. It's awesome. Like, when Lionel's mother is being, like, oh, like, it's gonna explode from all the embalming fluid, and, like, her eyes are blowing out of her head, and, like, embalming fluid is blasting out of her mouth. Yes. It's just, oh, man. This film revels in his, how, like, in the gore and the grossness. Mm-hmm. Giant zombie tits. As, yes, when uh, as you get unbirthed. Oh man, that whole poison thing. It's like, it's like Lionel in this character. I, I mean, like, just quick aside. Like I love Lionel in this film. Okay, mm-hmm. he's clearly a man that like realizes shit is going wrong, and then he's just <laughs> trying his best. <laughs> yeah, just trying his fucking best. Trying his best to contain everything and just take it under control. He's like, oh shit, my mom's a zombie. Okay, I'll just keep tranquilizing her, keep her down. Okay, she got these other people. Okay, shit, fuck. Okay, okay, I'm in my basement. Okay, okay, good. Okay, great. Okay, wow. And then his uncle is being a fuckbag and brings all these people. And then a lot of people die. Yep. A lot of people die. It's pretty Thanks great. Thanks to Alon Oh my god, it's so great. <sighs> Party's over. That scene, I think that scene is probably the most iconic scene in this film. Yes. It's just him kicking down the door, party's over, and then it's like, boom, lawnmower and all these bodies. Like, I, I remember seeing clips of that back in the yeah. early 2000s on websites all the time. I saw clips of that before I saw the film. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, that's what made me want to see the movie, obviously, because it's great, and goddamn, does it live up to the hype. Oh, sure, for sure, because it keeps going, and it's just... It's so long. Make, I, I think I think I'd be willing to say this is the bloodiest film you've ever watched. This podcast, I think I think the amount of blood in this film tops Evil Dead Two. Mm, but it doesn't have as much blood as the Three Dogateers. <laughs> when Santa Claus punched that guy's head off and his spine blew out the back of his body, it was fucking and he's, insane. He's walking around hunched over from there on out, trying to get the dogs, and then the dogs turn into twelve foot tall demon monsters with giant tits and clawed hands. Lionel's uncle was a piece of shit. He was a piece of uh, shit. But when he started becoming kind of a badass and was killing zombies, I was I, I was like, hell yeah. He justified That's his cool. existence. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'm the shitbag, but well, uh, 
I'm in this situation now. Can't be useless. Just, just, just good comedy moments when he's like standing the like the hallway of the kitchen, chopping up all these people. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. This is one of those cases where the film, like story wise, is really light, and there's not a lot of themes and things to really talk about. Yeah, there's not, there's barely any story. There's no themes. It is just a fun fucking romp through a bunch of great effects, a bunch of great makeup, some cool cinematography at times, Seam- this is a, seamless this is- editing. Oh, for sure. This is definitely a first for the podcast. This is definitely the first romantic horror film we've watched. That's true. We watched some romantic comedies. Uh, sorry, romantic comedy. Uh, horror comedy films, but we have not watched a romantic horror film, uh, which is definitely this because it's, it's it, it really is just a romance film that happens to have uh, you know ten thousand gallons of blood and <laughs> carnage. Right. Being a film is all like you know, uh, Piquita is just like oh, I gotta find true love and all this other stuff. And it's Lionel. Lionel is gonna be the one, and all these other things. And then, and then his mother is a bitch, and all. Like you could have just a regular like rom com movie about a man and his overbearing mother, and all this other stuff. But nope, she's a zombie. Like a bit by a um, stop motion rat monkey thing. Yes. And then all hell broke loose, and she becomes a mega zombie, thanks to some uh, animal growth, growth hormone stuff. Which they thought was poison. They basically turn them into deadites. Yeah, I mean, admit, well, it turns her more into dead because the other ones just come back to like regular undead status. Uh, she becomes uh, like a she. She becomes like superpower deadite. Yeah, you know, she becomes more like um, uh, Henrietta. Henrietta, thank you. You're welcome. I knew exactly where you're going with that because that's what yeah. I see too. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely some influence there. Yeah, just an influence, not a ripoff, not an uncreative aspect no for sure i mean it's a really impressive suit yes it's a great fucking suit and, and it's not yeah it's not just like an animatronic or anything it is straight up fucking there's a guy in that suit walking upstairs yeah <laughs> when i saw that that was like the most impressive thing i saw in the entire fucking movie it was just like how did he go up the stairs yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if it's a composite <laughs> shot or there's just some camera trickery and it's a smaller set of stairs and the suit isn't as big as it's supposed to be and they're just using force perspective to make all this work. I, I need to watch some behind-the-scenes stuff because I, I am most impressed on how they did all that. Yes. Because I can understand, like, uh, you know, then you get it's the shots of line, you don't see the legs. It's just obviously it can be like a, something that's rigged up with, like, you know, I don't know, animatronic, not necessarily animatronics, but you know, there's some stuff that you can make, you can rig it with Mm -hmm. to make it work, but when it's moving around, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. How are you doing this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The most impressive stuff in the movie to me was that shit. (laughs) Yeah, that stuff's really impressive. I mean, just even the other stuff, like, um... Everything's impressive. I mean, one of the other really ones impressive is there's always that, like, uh, the top half of a person's head that keeps, like, like... uh, on the floor the entire time, like always getting evil eyes at people because they can't do anything. It's just the top half of a head. Mm-hmm. But just that impresses me because I, it's like you always have to keep making sure there's the false floor there to put the person's head in. Not even that, like when they put the head inside of the blender. Yes, you gotta have a bottom of the blender out, and then you have to spray blood up. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of work there, and it looks really good all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fist to the woman's head. I'm, like, I'm looking through images on Google. <laughs> it helps remind me of like major things I saw them that impressed me. Like the fist to the per- woman's head. Oh god, yes, out the mouth. That, that that happens out of nowhere. That's that's fantastic. I mean, there's just so many things. There's just like 
Jesus Christ. There's like, there's like, so uh, many the, things that you have to see the film multiple times to see all the things. Oh yeah, because it flies by. It's just it's constant, like, constant visual gags all over the place, and like you just you don't have time to catch everything. You're trying so hard to keep up. Yeah, with all that stuff, <laughs> it's just incredible. Incredible filmmaking uh, for a, such a I don't know a quote unquote indie film. Oh, indie-ish at least. And, okay, uh, sorry, a New Zealand film. Yeah, like for not like a like more mainstream Hollywood horror. Yeah, film. definitely not Hollywood. A lot yeah, of money, know, but like, in New Zealand with everything they had access to, only New Zealand. Yeah, but uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, New Ze- they, they do a similar thing to Canada, where like there's a national film group thing that gives you a lot of uh, you know subsidies and things to make your films. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff going on. Just a uh, just a really impressive endeavor. Yeah, super impressive. Well uh, done, Peter is... Jackson. Uh, one day you're going to do some great things, I think. It, you know, watching this, it's always so fascinating. Like, I'm sitting here like, oh, this is the man that directed a film that won like 12 Oscars. Yeah. I always forget how but, many Oscars Brain Dead won. But a lot of this stuff is the reasons why he got to do Lord of the Rings in the first place. Absolutely it is. I mean, I mean, hell, Frighteners, like the computer technology and stuff that has done that film was a lot. That film itself is pretty much just a... Uh, tech demo for a lot of the stuff they were going to do in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. That's a m- big reason why that film exists and a lot of that stuff happened. That, that film was outside of maybe a couple CG shots, like as far as like the, uh, I forget the name of the characters, the, the two ghosts that are with Michael J. Fox, those look incredible. Yeah, they still like, there's hold a lot up. of CG. Yeah, there's a lot of CG work in that film looks really good. And again, all of that was just that his, studio, his company got all these um, servers and stuff for Lord of the Rings. And like, okay, well, let's test this stuff out. Let's make this film. And that, that's a lot of stuff that led in. Because because um, uh, Frighteners was released by New Line. Yes. Which, you know, again, New Line did Fellowship and Two Towers, all those films. Yep. So, I mean, this and is, Bob you know, Shea is the one that hired him, and Bob Shea's always had that eye for horror directors. It's true. I mean, especially when you want to do something like that scale. Like, when it comes to doing so many practical effects, either through, uh, of course, you know, sets, makeup, all these things. Like you want to go to people who've done horror, who have, who have just even as a director have experience with it and understand it and understand how to work with it. And that's you know, all these films, like between this and his previous two films and everything he's done, is just more and more part of the resume of like you know this. You can clearly see where all of his influences and what's going to lead up to those major epic fantasy films are coming from like something as small as this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just really, it's really impressive. And good stuff. Uh, Pekita is uh, cute as fuck in this film. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Played by Diana, Diana Penalver. There's, there's an accent on that N. Uh, good for her. She's great. I love her in the film. I can't think of anyone that was poor in the film. No, I think everyone was really... I mean, the, the chemistry between Lionel and her... Oh, yeah, that chemistry uh, between played them. Played by uh, Timothy Balmy is just... They're, they're both great. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, there's this, uh, there, there is a really nice romantic comedy film in here just dumped into a bloody-as-fuck horror film. Yes. And it's just a blast. Um, Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, their chemistry is so good together that I could just watch a movie of those two being in love. Yeah, for sure. And it's really nice. And that makes you care about what's happening way more. And I, Jackson really understood that sort of thing. <laughs> Which, again, goes back to what we talk about. The best horror films are one where you care about characters. I mean, it's just a, a gore-fest film or a slasher film. You care more when you care about the characters and what they're going through. Absolutely. You have, a more, you have more of a attachment. It doesn't matter if it's comedic attachment. As long as there's like something you can like connect with, it's going to make you care and 
you know, make everything mean a lot more to you. Yeah. If you, the more you care about the characters, the more you care about the horror. Yeah. Which is, which is why the best horror film is Ernest Scared Stupid. (laughs) It's definitely up there. It it is legitimately up there. Definitely up there. It's one of the best family horror films. But no, I mean, we talked about that, um, on the episode a few weeks back with, uh, Kevin, you know, that's why Friday the 13th is my favorite of the franchise, because I love Chris, the main character, so much. Mm-hmm. Without her, that movie wouldn't be as interesting. And the same thing with uh, Dead Alive, Brain Dead. Here is without that relationship and those characters being what they are, this would just be like a forgettable gore fest, in my opinion. I'm sure other yeah, horror I... fans would disagree. They'd be like, "Oh, it's all about the gore," but you know, I you know, I think it's about the characters. Yeah, gore gore is great, but I I the the film is a gore film is better if it has an enjoyable story and characters. Because then, like this film, it's not just the gore; it's also the comedy. Yes. And you need a lot. You need a lot of help there to ground it and establish it. Like even the stuff that isn't necessarily super super gory. Like when Lionel is trying to like tranquilize his mom and at the at the wake. Yes. <laughs> and she jumps out and jumps out and falls out through the glass window while the priest is pissed at him for not showing up for this thing. He's like talking about motherhood and all this other stuff. There's it's great comedy going on there. It's amazing comedy. Makes, makes the film that much better. Yeah, this film is definitely and, a zero out of five on the actual scare factor, and I don't care. No, but it's not trying to. It's no, not it's not going to be that at all. It's <laughs> that's that's not its purpose. Its purpose is to have a dinner scene where someone's eating uh, custard and like the, the zombie mother's squirting pussy uh, pink blood goo into some guy's put custard. He's like lopping it up, mm-hmm. and like you're supposed to be grossed out and just like, oh yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. It's just a blast. And I, I, you know, I said this probably want to say more. But Timothy Balmy. Charismatic as fuck, super fun guy in this film. He's, he's he, uh, every time I watch this, uh, he definitely has a lot of feeling. He reminds me a lot of Jeffrey Combs. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. Like they just like a phys- like appearance, a, t- a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, obviously, his voice or any other stuff. But every time I watch, like you know, you're you're like the New Zealand Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> That's on his business card. Yeah, and Jeffrey Combs also in a Peter Jackson film and Frighteners. Yes. Fascinating. Uh, I love New Zealand so many layers. in this film. I love New Zealand in this film. Yeah, New Zealand in this film is pretty fucking neato. Yeah, it's fascinating because I, I don't think they ever established this film supposed to be taking place in 1957. No, they don't. They don't at all. So I'm watching it like, I, I would like to hope that New Zealand just looks like this now. All the time. All the time. Because it just looks so great. <laughs> uh, man. I think we've hit everything. I don't know what else I can really say to get people to watch this film or really better express what I thought about it. What did you not like about the film? Oh, man. I don't know. Not a goddamn thing. Yeah, really. It's one of those films, like, if there's something, like, whatever. It ended. Yeah. There might be some moments where it's a little, like, maybe slows down for, like, two seconds before it ramps right back up into something else happening, but... It's just a fun time throughout the entire time. It's like, if I'm sitting here, if I wanted to, like, say something is bad, it'd be like, I feel like a nitpicking asshole. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, there's a fart joke where the one, like, the Jean, James Dean zombie's guts fall out. It's like, no, that, that that's totally in line with this film's comedy and, and humor. Yeah. This, like, this dude's entire, like, lungs, intestines, everything just, like, has fallen out of his body and is, like, going around trying to kill Lionel. Yes. It's great. It is great. It's fantastic. So let's just uh, jump into star ratings. Star ratings, uh, Steve, for Brain Dead, a.k.a. Dead Alive. Uh, four and a half. I, again, I am also right there with you. Very, very solid four and a half stars. 
right up there with uh, Day of the Dead and such. Like that. So far, it's been a very good zombie ween. We got some very good films we're talking about. Well, we actually picked good movies for this month. It's true, <laughs> and we're picking. Uh, I don't. I feel like if another podcast is doing a zombie themed month, I don't feel like they'd be picking these films, right? Which is why when I uh, did this, that, you know, uh, laid the course out for this month, I tried to think of, okay, what are zombie films we really like? And which of those are ones that I don't see people talk about a ton? Like, obviously, again, next week is Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead is a huge one. Uh, Yeah, I did check the schedule. It is not Fido. Like, Fido. We're going to talk about Fido at the end of this month. Come check that episode out and watch that movie. No one talks about Fido. Fido is so underrated. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's all. That's the little taste I'll give you. So go check it out and come back at the end of the month to hear our review on Fido. That little, get that little nugget out there for you to nibble on. Uh, so let's just uh, get on out of here. If you've, uh, if you enjoyed Brain Dead or Dead Alive, whatever the fuck you want to call it, and you want to give us your thoughts, please email us at moviefilmswebillandsteve at gmail.com. You can also find all of our episodes at moviefilmswebillandsteve.tumblr.com. And I started uh, doing some editing and uploading to YouTube. We have a YouTube channel for movie films. Uh, you can find it on the Facebook page, which uh, you can check out, like, and leave a comment. Uh, you, can, you can subscribe to that channel. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm going through, uh, you know, editing kind of some of the new stuff that's not relevant anymore. But if you want to hear just the, the, the movie discussion, or if you want to hear Steve's interview of Andre Gower, or my interview of Garrett Hunter, I've been, been uploading those things up to the YouTube channel just to kind of you know spread the you know spread the word of the podcast a bit better. And sometimes uh, some people just want to hear just the movie reviews, not necessarily everything else. So that gives an avenue. I always forget for all of that. I always forget how good that interview with Andre Gower was. Yeah, that's why I put it up because I thought about okay, well, obviously the Garrett Hunter one I did is a very popular episode as far as uh, listens since it's gone up, and I thought about the interviews you did, and out of all of them, that Andre Gower one's the best one. Yeah. It's a really good one. He's a really cool guy. He is a super cool guy. I should get him in something. You should. So, uh, you know, go definitely relive that interview if you have heard it before, or if you, you know, check it out if you've never had uh, heard it before over on our YouTube page. Again, you can find a link to it uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, and you can also find us on iTunes. Uh, subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you could be a deer, leave a review. Uh, we only have two sitting there. A couple more nice reviews would be really nice. Because it doesn't matter. Doesn't that be five star? I'd prefer it be five star because that makes us look better. Uh, but you can be honest. If you know you thought we we're a four, I can take that. That's okay. A four stars is still pretty good, Steve. Yeah, I, I I think a four is a fair criticism. But if you give three, you go fuck yourself. Yeah, you stop can, you fucking take... trolling. Stop trying to stop trying to be famous with your fake review. Yeah, I bet you love Harvey Weinstein. I bet you're totally down to suck him off underneath the table to get a job all the time. You loved it, you cuck. I wish I could have sucked his dick for a job. <laughs> Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at Bill. And you check out my hack films made by someone who's never raped anyone. Silverspotlightfilms.com, Facebook.com slash Silverspotlightfilms, Carousel.com. Go to Facebook.com slash Silverspotlightfilms, look up the Meowie Christmas Indiegogo, support it, we're at 30%, and we got like only two weeks left, if that. It's not going to take much for us to get to the full budget, please pre-order the movie. And if you want to see me be a superhero or wear a beautiful dress... Uh, head over to facebook.com slash the amazing spider steve fantastic well as always guys i've been bill i've been steve that's my mother you're pissing on